Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 621. That's some Texas Hill Country music there. And from the Talking Birds email bag, we have a note from friend and Talking Birds ambassador Randy Alberts down in the Hill Country city of Leander, Texas, just north of Austin. And Randy says, Morning, Ray. Guess you've already seen this, but just in case, a nice bird piece on NPR.org today about Mozart's pet starling. It informs me about something I assume you already know, that it's illegal to disturb any native species' nest. Common sense dictates. I'd never do that anyway, but good to know, since a house wren recently erected, and possibly abandoned, a nest inside a folded lounge chair on my deck. Haven't seen it back manicuring the chair in a week or so. No chirp-chirps emitting, etc. And though I've had a real hankering of late to nap out there, afternoons on the chair, I know now, thanks to NPR, that it'd be illegal to do so. I really dig wrens, and given the outside chance the nest might still house a new family, I'm guessing I'll leave that chair folded up tight all summer long. Ha! Thanks, Randy. And we'll put up a link, by the way, to that NPR piece on our Facebook page. Meanwhile, back here in Massachusetts, here's a heads up about next week's special on-site Talking Birds show at Wildlands Trust in America's hometown, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Yes, we'll be doing our show live from Wildlands Trust on Sunday, April 30th, and we'll be joined by special guest Trevor Lloyd Evans, Director of Land Bird Conservation at the internationally known organization called Manomet. The event, by the way, will include brunch and a panel discussion with bird experts after the show. Find out more under the events button at wildlandstrust.org. That's wildlandstrust.org. Well, I'm willing to bet that lots of Talking Birds listeners joined the throngs at the Marches for Science yesterday, which was also Earth Day, with scientists, science advocates, science enthusiasts rallying together to support defend and celebrate the scientific enterprise and the men and women of science who've made so many vital contributions to technological and medical advancements. And uh, I think uh, folks at these rallies broke some records with the number of signs displayed and clever ones at that. Next Saturday, April 29th, there'll be another big march and rally. It's the People's Climate March with the main event again in Washington, D.C., and again with satellite rallies all over the country and indeed all over the world, as was the case with the science rally. Peoplesclimate.org is the website with details about the climate march, April 29th, and how to find a rally near you if you're interested in joining one. That's peoplesclimate.org. Here's a preview of our mystery bird contest we'll be doing later in the show, but we've concocted this new thing of giving a preview, so you'll kind of be 
prepared to uh, call in when we activate the contest a little bit later. Here's the, uh, the sound of our mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a brownish back, a chestnut cap, yellow or yellowish underparts, faint streaks on the sides, and a habit of wagging its tail. Feeds mainland insects in the summer, foraging on the ground as well as in shrubs and trees. Breeds across most of Canada and parts of the northern U.S. and winters in the southeastern states and down into Mexico and the Caribbean. That's our mystery bird little preview there, and we'll do the actual mystery bird contest in just a little bit. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Before there were dinosaurs, there was the 10-foot-long, long-necked telocrater. And scientists working in Tanzania now think it's the earliest ancestor of dinosaurs and birds. We'll link you to a story about it. From our You've Got to See It to Believe It department, the most unusual interaction between an American crow and an abandoned kitten. Read all about it and see, see it, the whole video there um, on our Facebook page. And the Missouri Department of Conservation urges motorists to give turtles a break. They're out there trying to cross the roads out there. So uh, keep an eye out. It's nesting season for turtles. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Don't forget, you can also find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Here's our conservation salute of the week. Kind of an historical salute to the great conservationist John Muir. And thanks to our friend and Talking Birds ambassador Chuck Draper up in Minnesota for reminding us that April 21st was John Muir's birthday. Jeremy Miller, writing in the Sierra Club's online newsletter, The Green Life, tells of his recent visit to Muir's birthplace in Dunbar, Scotland. Miller says he and his companions later stopped into a nearby bar where the bartender asked what brought them in. Mr. Miller explained that they'd just visited the birthplace of John Muir, a short hop down the road. To which the bartender replied, John who? The barkeep apparently had never heard of John Muir, suggesting that the man who, among other things, saved Yosemite National Park is not quite so well-known and revered in his hometown as he is here in the U.S. To John Muir, the great naturalist and environmental activist who would have been 179 this year, we offer a Talking Birds conservation salute. Now for the latest news about citizen science and young birder opportunities in the U.S. and Canada. Let's head up to Alberta for this morning's installment of Charlotte's Weblog with our Charlotte Wasilek. Alberta bound, Alberta bound. It's good to be Alberta Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning, Ray. New migrants have been flooding into this part of the Canadian prairies over the last week, and some of my most recent sightings include redheads, dark-eyed juncos, American tree sparrows, and American kestrels. And with nesting season just around the corner, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and Bird Studies Canada encourage you to submit your sightings to help contribute to their citizen science projects focused on breeding birds. Participants report the location of a nest, the species using it, the number of eggs laid, and other important nest events. 
Canadian participants can use the Project Nestwatch website, and U.S. citizens can report through the nestwatch.org website or the new app, which you can get from the website. The Ontario Field Ornithologists are hosting the inaugural Alan Wormington Memorial Camp for Young Ornithologists. The camp will be held at the Algonquin Wildlife Research Centre in Algonquin National Park in Ontario from July 8th to the 15th for young birders ages 13 to 18. For more details and to apply, please visit www.ofo.ca. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out Charlotte's blog at prairiebirder.com. That's prairiebirder.com. I want to say a big thank you to our new Talking Birds ambassadors, our two newest ambassadors, Harry in Belchertown, Massachusetts, and Elias in Manhattan, New York City. Elias, I believe, is our youngest ambassador. He says he is seven years old. Visit our Talking Birds uh, website uh, and sign up. Become an ambassador. Hand out some of our cards and spread the word about birds and bird conservation. Just go to our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the Contact button and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll hear from Mike and Michael. No, that's not a 60s folk duo. It's Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's famous Bird Watchers General Store with more sage advice on enhancing your backyard bird watching experience topic today hummingbirds and dr michael hutchins from the american bird conservancy down in washington dc with an update on abc's lawsuit over the placement of wind turbines in a location that thousands of birds up by lake erie will be threatened by and up next the little brown-capped pensioner of the dooryard and lawn is today's featured feathered friend well on last week's show we played the sound of the chipping sparrow. Like that. But we figured this fellow deserved full featured feathered friend status. So here's some interesting stuff about the bird whose scientific name is Spizella passerina. The great ornithologist Edward Howe Forbush, who was born in the city that's home to Talkin' Birds World Headquarters, Quincy, Massachusetts, described the chipping sparrow as the little brown-capped pensioner of the dooryard and lawn that comes about farmhouse doors to glean crumbs shaken from the tablecloth by thrifty housewives. A contemporary of Forbush, the noted naturalist and essayist John Burroughs, even wrote a short story about the chipping sparrow, a very short story, about two paragraphs long, which includes an observation of a very helpful chipping sparrow feeding a nestful of American robins. Chipping sparrows are found in woodlots and neighborhoods pretty much all across North America. In breeding plumage, adults sport brown wings over a light gray body, and the face features a nearly white eyebrow under a persimmon red crown. You might attract chipping sparrows to your backyard by hanging up a basket and putting some of your pet's hair in there. Spizella Passerina. The Chipping Sparrow. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Thanks again for being with us here, our show number 621. Hope you'll visit our website, talkingbirds.com. No G in talking. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 
talking birds. Michael Hutchins is director of the Bird Smart Wind Energy Campaign at the American Bird Conservancy, and he joins us on the phone right now. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Ray. Great to have you back again uh, with us, Michael. So ABC, along with Black Swamp Observatory, is suing the Ohio Air National Guard over the Guard's plan to construct a wind turbine on the southern shore of Lake Erie. Um, wind turbines, renewable energy, why the lawsuit? Uh, yes, uh, the primary reason we're suing is that this project is located in one of the world's greatest confluences of migratory birds and bats. Mm. Uh, the turbines are planned to be less than a mile away from the shoreline of Lake Erie, and the Fish and Wildlife Service uh, recommends that no turbines be built within a minimum of three miles away from the lakes uh, due to substantial risk to birds and bats. Uh, in fact, there was a recent uh, Fish and Wildlife Service advanced radar study which showed millions of birds and bats migrating through this area with many flying within the rotor-swept area of wind turbines. And these studies suggest that 5 to 10 miles away from the lakes would actually be better. Mm -hmm. Well, ABC stopped this project, if I'm correct, in 2014 by threatening to sue. Um, If that's right, why has it started up again? Well, that's a a very good question. Uh, The Department of Defense actually has a very good record in wildlife conservation. Uh, It may be that the ANG, the Air National Guard, is simply looking to spend money that it received for this project from Congress before the Fish and Wildlife Service even established its voluntary land-based wind energy guidelines. Hmm. It's not going to produce that much energy. It's also noteworthy uh, that ANG has spent $200,000 of taxpayers' money to build the foundation for this turbine, even before receiving Fish and Wildlife Service approval. This is an illegal action under the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA. Well, you're concerned not only with this project, Michael, but with the idea that it would set a precedent for other such projects around and in the Great Lakes, right? Yeah, the the fear is that local politicians and developers want to use this project to set a precedent for further wind energy development either near or in the Great Lakes, which would be an an environmental disaster. Uh, The Great Lakes are possibly the worst possible place in the United States to build commercial-scale wind turbines because of the number and variety of migratory birds and bats that use this area while moving to and from the boreal forests of Canada to breed. One of those uh, birds is a federally endangered species, the Kirtland's warbler. Does the fact that a bird in that category is threatened come to play in the suit? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, The project is likely to violate the Endangered Species Act, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, and the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act. All of these are intended to protect, protect our ecologically and economically important birds and bats. Endangered species such as Kirtland's warbler and piping plover are present in the area, and the area also has more than 60 active bald eel nests within 10 miles of this planned turbine. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, you ABC, American Bird Conservancy, is not opposed to wind power as such, right? It's the placement of these turbines. Exactly. It's a placement and operation. We're not anti-wind. We just want to see it done right. And that means putting them in the right areas and turning them off when there are large numbers of birds and bats in the area. Mm -hmm. 
Well, how can people support uh, your suit, Michael? What, uh, uh, what, what can people do? Well, thanks for asking. Um, they can easily support this effort by making a donation on www.abcbirds.org. There's a special area that uh, is uh, promoting uh, assistance uh, for this uh, project. Um, and as you know, you know, lawsuits are very expensive, and every little bit helps. Michael Hutchins is director of the Bird Smart Wind Energy Campaign at the American Bird Conservancy. That website, again, abcbirds.org, abcbirds.org, a place worth visiting uh, with uh, lots of other things as well. Michael, thanks, and keep up the good fight. Thank you so much, Ray. Coming up next here on Talking Birds, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Next time you're shopping for wild bird food, look for Audubon Park. It's the finest kind, and you can choose from more than a dozen selections, including no-waste patio blends and species-specific blends. And the folks at Audubon Park encourage all who feed backyard birds to follow these important rules to help keep birds safe and healthy. Choose seed made in the USA. Fill your feeders with no more than a week's supply of food. Clean your feeders weekly with soap and hot water or a solution of bleach and water. Make your windows visible to birds to prevent crashes. Place feeders away from windows and safe from predators. Offer water for drinking and bathing and refresh it daily. Keep cats indoors. Reduce your lawn, mow it less often, and skip the fertilizers and pesticides. Plant native shrubs and trees. And keep outdoor lights as dim as possible and use them only when necessary. Simple rules for healthy birds from the folks at Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. And for a complete list of backyard bird feeding tips, visit the Discovery Center at AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Talking Birds is sponsored in part by Chimani. Next time you're shopping for providing wild... Providing free outdoor mobile app travel guides to plan and navigate your journey to more than 400 national parks, monuments, and historic sites. From Acadia to Zion, go to Chimani.com. That's C-H-I-M-A-N-I dot com to download your free app today. Our Mystery Bird Contest makes you eligible automatically as long as you haven't been a winner here within uh, six months on our Talking Birds show. And by the way, just a reminder again that you can hear our show live online from anywhere at all with a little internet connection. Uh, Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. We're live at Sunday morning, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. So uh, just go to TalkingBirds.com and you can see that it's uh, quite easy to stream our show Live, You can also search for Talking Birds on iTunes or Google Play. And now on Stitcher, by the way, among the podcast apps that carry our show. Here's the sound of our mystery bird, and then we'll give the all-important phone number. Our mystery bird is a small songbird with a brownish back, a chestnut cap, yellow or yellowish underparts, faint streaks on the sides, and a habit of wagging its tail. Our bird, which feeds mainland insects in the summer, foraging on the ground as well as in shrubs and trees, breeds across most of Canada and parts of the northern U.S. and winters in the southeastern states and down into Mexico and the Caribbean. That's our mystery bird, and the prize is the Droll Yankees New Generation Metal Finch Sock which combines the attraction of a finch sock and the durability of metal. It holds a full pound of Niger seed, a.k.a. thistle seed, 
And although we don't recommend you wear this sock, you can hang it up or mount it on a pole. A beautiful feeder from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we're going to connect down to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, with Mike O'Connor from the legendary Birdwatchers General Store, and we'll find out about attracting and feeding hummingbirds. Let's, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. A wise person once said, Although we may regret some things we do in life, the bigger regrets concern things we didn't do. One thing many people say they've just got to do someday is visit the Galapagos Islands, which inspired the world-changing work of Charles Darwin. Well, if you're one of those people, I say don't wait any longer. I'm Ray Brown, inviting you to go to the Galapagos with me and one of the finest small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. Thanks to their expertise, we'll have a chance to see things other tours don't, like red-footed and Nazca boobies and flightless cormorants, along with Darwin's finches, Galapagos tortoises, land and marine iguanas, sea lions, whales, and dolphins. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. I'll be your host for this trip, joined by local experts as we explore the islands via custom-designed first-class yacht. Please check out the details on this trip of a lifetime right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Mike O'Connor down there at the Bird Watchers General Store is getting ready to head west, he claims. But before he does that, he's going to dispense some sage advice here about attracting hummingbirds to your backyard. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Ray. I'm just finishing a cup of uh, delicious Burns and Beans coffee today. Oh. So I'll be awake for the trip. Yeah, that'll keep you going all the way probably to, to Wyoming. At least. <laughs> uh, but you're going out to Oregon, I know, but we'll. I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. But we want to... Talk about hummingbirds because they have reached, uh, I guess, pretty much their entire destinations to the northern part of the country by now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much everybody that lives in the nor- northern parts of uh, this country, even uh, into Canada, this is about the week, the last week of April is when people start seeing hummingbirds. Hummingbirds come through in, in waves, so there's a few early, <laughs> early birds, I almost made a joke, uh, early arrivals, and, and then more and more catch up. To them, so the population starts to grow. Mm-hmm. And I always suggest people about the third week in April put their hummingbird feeders out, get them up and, and, and ready for them because the migrants will start through. So uh, action will be slower, but it'll 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 pick up, and the early arrivals appreciate it. Mm-hmm. The, the the problem I you know always caution people is it's not going to be very the feeders won't be active right away. And I know a lot. of rookies or beginners lose interest if they don't see action. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, put it out there, but don't ignore it, because it still needs to be changed twice a week. Yeah. Every three or four days, take it down, just rinse it out and put it back out there with some fresh stuff. Because if they let it go, then the birds will, the stuff will be no good, and then the birds won't come back. So that that's a little bit of work. Uh, a little bit of caution on that. Mm, okay. And in the, I know the standard, I think the standard is four parts water to one part just regular table sugar, right? Yeah, regular table sugar. You don't need honey. Certainly you don't need that, you know, the, the hippie brown sugar um, that we all like, uh, that raw sugar that yeah. they call it. It's just uh, that disgusting granulated white sugar that, yeah. you know, uh, a lot of mothers say stay away from. But that's a really close, with a four-to-one formula, that's close to the natural nectar that the birds... Uh, get from plants, so that's really kind of the rule of thumb. 
Uh, you certainly don't need red food coloring. A lot of old-timers are still stubborn about that. They yeah. want to put red food coloring. And the trouble with red food coloring is it may or may not be good for the birds. It's, it's a little bit controversial. But it also hides any problems with the food. So if it's not red and the food starts to change a clear solution, if it starts to turn, you, it'll get gray, and you can see the dead bugs on there, and you can clean yeah. it out. But when it's red, it always looks good. Mm. So <laughs> ignore that. And, and you know, you know the, the idea of boiling, um, that's, that's really not necessary either. Okay. Just, hot, just hot tap water. If you want to heat a little bit, help dissolve the sugar. That's fine, but the idea of boiling, if you change it regularly, you don't need to boil it at all. Oh, okay, just enough to make it dissolve, which is correct. Kind of yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and you can make a batch and then keep the extra in the refrigerator mm-hmm. for, for a week or so. That, that's fine. All right. Well, that's hummingbirds. And meanwhile, you're going out west uh, to Oregon, I believe, looking for this bird. We're going to hear it here. That would be a Lewis's woodpecker. <laughs> what a funny call yeah. for woodpecker, huh? It is kind of, yeah. Well, it's a funny woodpecker, right? It doesn't even really even peck wood, generally. No. It's kind of, uh, it gleans and uh, kind of does a fly-catching thing, doesn't it? And I'm not familiar, you know, I'm sure you listeners out west or other parts, because, you know, this show's kind of a global sensation anyway, so people hear it all around. <laughs> but here in the east, we don't get to see this bird. Yeah. And my, my son, Casey, for Christmas, asked for a trip to see Lewis's woodpecker. It's on oh. his on his wish list, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't know why he couldn't just ask for a train like a regular kid. <laughs> <laughs> so right we're going, we're heading out there today to, to try to track him down, and, mm-hmm. you know, the population is, is dropping significantly, yeah, so this is kind of a gold bird sauce. And so it's a beautiful bird. It, mm-hmm. You know, we have downies, which are basically black and white, and this is a very colorful green and red, and um, yeah. looks more like it was named after Jerry Lewis. <laughs> hey, we'll look for the pictures, Mike. All right, we'll get him have, to you, Ray. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be back. All right, thank you, Mike. Okay. We're back here now to our Mystery Bird Contest. 781-837-4900 is the number. We're trying to identify this bird right here. And Charlie is in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Ray. What a beautiful day. Oh, it's beautiful, I think. Is it really spring now, finally? I think spring is sprung. All right, <laughs> nice. Mystery Bird, Charlie. I'm going to go with a common yellow throat wobbler. Common yellow throat wobbler is a that's a top quality guest there, Charlie. Uh, yes, sir. No, no, yes, sir. I want to hear it. Go uh, ahead. Uh, no, uh, sorry about that, Charlie. Thanks for the <laughs> that's call. All right, Ray. I love your show. I'll always listen to it, my friend. Thank you so much. Let's well, go to. Uh, day, wait, this you. is a big day for Mike's. We have Mike in Wallops Island, Virginia. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, give us a locator there. Wallops Island is, well, it's, I guess it's, it's out on in the... the eastern shore of Virginia. We're almost to the Maryland border. Okay. I figured it was near the near the, uh, near the the coast somewhere. Those islands oh, yeah, yeah, tend to be like that. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Mike, on our mystery bird? It is a palm warbler. All right. That was not a guess. That was a statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> palm warbler is right. Beautiful. Um... You must have some, have you seen some coming through? Probably a while ago. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, we had some in my backyard this last week. All right. Well, nice. A beautiful bird. Um, I remember going to Manomet. We're going to talk to folks from there next week, in fact. And I was down there where they do their bird banding. And they let me release a palm warbler that they oh, had cool. that they had caught for banding. That was that was pretty cool. Mike, stay on the line. We'll get your address and send you that uh, droll Yankees feeder. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Mike down there in Wallops Island, Virginia. Interesting about the palm warbler, despite its tropical-sounding name, it lives actually farther north than most other warblers. 
It breeds way up into Canada and winters primarily in the southern United States and northern Caribbean. So it doesn't go all that much, all that far south uh, compared to some other neotropical migrants. We have just about used up our time for the show this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you will visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkingBirds. And uh, do consider becoming an ambassador for our show. Just go to TalkingBirds.com, click on the contact button, and choose the Become an Ambassador option to do that. Really easy to do. Next week, we'll be live from Wildlands Trust in nearby Plymouth, Massachusetts, with special guest Trevor Lloyd Evans, director of the Landbird Conservation Program at Manomet. That's an internationally known organization working on climate services and landbird conservation and shorebird recovery and sustainable economies. And by the way, if you're uh, here in the eastern Massachusetts area, uh, we hope you'll come to that event live. You can find out uh, details about it. It's uh, the broadcast. It's a brunch. And then a panel discussion with Trevor and Wayne Peterson from Mass Audubon and Brian Harrington, also from Manomet. Should be a cool event. Wildlandstrust.org is the website if you'd like to find out more about it. If you're nearby, that's Wildland Trust, uh, Wildlands with an S, Trust.org. Executive producer Mark Duffield, our associate producer Debbie Bleacher, our engineers Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. <laughs> Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.